Hello and welcome to Hardcover Hose, a long-distance book club where two book lovers express their feelings on their book of the moment via podcast. I am one half of your host, Sam Cabrera-Dixon. And I am Sammy Skorstad. Together we have come through book talk, combined our to-be-read lists, and now we intend to make our way through them one book at a time. We'd love for you to come along with us and join the discussion. The book of the moment for today's episode is Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. Just a forewarning for those of you listening, this is not a spoiler-free zone. We will be discussing this book in all of its glory, which of course includes revealing the ending. Mickey Kendall is a writer, diversity consultant, and occasional feminist. She has appeared on the BBC, NPR, and The Daily Show, PBS, Good Morning America, MSNBC, Al Jazeera, WBEZ, and Showtime, and discusses race, feminism, and police violence, tech and pop culture at institutions and universities across the country. She is the author of the New York Times bestselling Hood Feminism, recipient of the Chicago Review of Books Award and named a Best Book of the Year by BBC Bustle and Time. She is also the author of Amazons, Abolitionists and Activists, a graphic novel illustrated by A. A. D'Amico. Her essays can be found at Time, The New York Times, The Guardian, The Washington Post, Essence, Vogue, The Boston Globe, NBC, and a host of other sites. Before we jump into discussing our own thoughts and feelings regarding the book, I'm going to go ahead and read through the blurb on the back of the book for the sake of contextualizing it. Quote, today's feminist movement has a glaring blind spot, and paradoxically, it is women. Mainstream feminists rarely talk about meeting basic needs as a feminist issue, argues Mickey Kendall. But food insecurity, access to quality education, safe neighborhoods, and living wage, and a living wage and medical care are all feminist issues. All too often, however, the focus is not on basic survival for the many, but on increasing privilege for the few. The feminists refuse to prioritize these issues at Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what, did I, what am I reading? Uh, the feminists refuse to prioritize these issues has only refuse? Mm. Am, I, am I just reading this sentence wrong? This Where one. Are you? The feminists refuse to prioritize the, these issues has only feminists Should this be refusal? refusal? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. This is from, <laughs> this is from the back of the book. Or Amazon, whichever I copy and paste it from. Anyways, let's, let's just blame it on Jeff Bezos. Yeah, the feminist <laughs> <laughs> refusal to prioritize these issues has only exacerbated the old, age old, old age, <laughs> the age old <laughs> problem of both. What is this word? Inter. What? I don't know that word. What the fuck? I'm not going to lie to you. Learning a new word at the age of 25. Intern. Nest sign? Internet sign? Discord? Is it like online? I'm gonna look it up. Internet scene? Destructive to both sides in a conflict. Wow, big word. Okay. Big word. That's an SAT word for you. That is an SAT word. Discord (laughs) and women who rebuff at carrying the title. Moreover, prominent white feminists broadly suffer from their own myopia. Myopia? What is wrong with me? With regard <laughs> to how things like race, class, sexual orientation, and ability and ability intersect with gender. How can we stand in solidarity as a movement, Kendall said Kendall asks, when there is a distinct likelihood that some women are oppressing others. In her searing collection of essays, Mickey Kendall takes aim at the legitimacy of modern femi- of the modern feminist movement, arguing that it has chronically failed to address the needs of all but a few women drawing on her own experiences with hunger violence hypersexualization along with incisive commentary on reproductive rights politics pop culture the stigma of mental health and more hood feminism delivers an irrefutable indictment of a moment in flux movement in flux jesus an unforgettable debut kendall has written a ferocious clear clarion clear wow <laughs> call to all would-be feminists to live out the true mandate of the movement in thought and in deed without any further ado let's get into it Samantha uh, it's too early for me to try to be smart what can okay. i say um i'm also just i just words scare me you know like when you're in a class and you know you're about to read next like the next syndrome (laughs) kicks in and suddenly you're like you can't read every single time i read the blurb of these books i feel like sweaty pressure like i'm gonna say a word wrong and look stupid and i do clammy and i do every time so it's a a real fear and it occurs every single time without fail so 
sorry. Um, but also, you there here. were definitely words in there that I've never seen before. No, those were so big I'm words. learning. We're learning already today is what is what I'm gathering from this. I also just realized I left my water bottle. Hold on one second. I was okay. like, I'm, <laughs> while I was uh, breathing heavy. <laughs> I, I need my emotional support <laughs> one, water bottle. One second. <laughs> I was like, something at my setup is missing. <laughs> Arguably the most important thing. Okay. Um, on that note, uh, let's get into trigger warnings. There's, these aren't on the website, so I just put down what I remembered. Um, domestic violence, abuse, racism, divorce, eating disorders, sexism, mental health, transphobia. Can you think of any more? I think that covers it. Gun violence. Gun violence, yeah. Police violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we think any of any more, I'm sure we'll say them. Um, so this was, I really enjoyed this. I want to start off with that. I mm-hmm. feel like, I, th- I think I've figured out how I need to be reading my nonfiction books. Because I do obviously like reading them on my Kindle when they're available on like Kindle Unlimited. I think that's really fun. And I like to be able to get my notes really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think my brain works better with learning when I have the physical book. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I bought the physical of hood feminism for this week uh, so I could tab and mark and highlight and that interact with the text. And it was very Mm -hmm. fun. I also don't want to shout out billionaires, but I want to shout out Apple for one second because this new thing where you can take the photo, I know it's not that new, but where you can take a photo and if there's text in the photo, you can highlight it and copy and paste. I was like, wait a minute. I can just take like notes that way. I liked (gasps) and takes, take notes that way so that's what i did the whole time and i was like wow we're in the future <laughs> we are this is technology future. this is what i'm talking about this is so good <laughs> so i was like oh wow i can get the best of both worlds of like how i like mm-hmm. being able to see my my highlights in a digital form while also interacting with the text in a physical form so i may be doing that going forward i just wanted to talk about my process for reading this because um I had three colors for marking things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was for, like, I, I felt like key points that Kendall was trying to make. Mm-hmm. One was for things that I was like, yes, you know, snaps. My snaps yeah. for. Yeah, snaps coming out. And things that I f- found were like brutal, like, <laughs> like something she said that was like, ow. Yeah. Right? Um, so that was my reading process. Oh, I want to hear those brutal book. ones. There's a few. I'll, I'll yeah. get. We can get to them. Remind we me can. in a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. But I also was like, I, I would because it's a learning book. I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna try to push myself to like read it all in one sitting. Uh-huh. However, I sat down with it and I read seventy percent of it in one sitting on accident. So okay. I was like, okay, Fair well, <laughs> it's always when you want to do something that you end up doing the opposite. But I was just really in, in the vibe. Um, mm-hmm of learning i've also just been on a black nonfiction kick lately Mm -hmm. so perhaps that is part of it affecting it i just finished reading um the three mothers can't remember the author's name and uh something tubs was her very last name can't remember the middle name in there um but like it, it so I, I just feel like I've been on a I've been on a learning kick lately. Look at me becoming a nonfiction bitch first of all. Hey you. I know. Honestly, uh, you know what I've been doing? I've been trying to level out the universe. So every time I'm reading like toe curling smut, I'm like I gotta <laughs> I gotta balance it out with a couple a couple of uh, important nonfiction works. Okay, okay, I respect it. Leveling um, out the universe. So I started reading this and realized that I have been reading versions of this in school Mm. all quarter. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) I took – and this was the best class I took at UCSD the entire time I was there, um, Capitalism and Gender. And we – so many of the readings were on – were written by POC women. Mm-hmm. And writing about the the way that feminism left them behind and how to be or like how to kind of like restructure feminism in a way that prioritizes the the people who are essentially the most marginalized. 
And um, so I was like, I started reading this and I was like thinking of quotes and things from the other readings that I've been doing the last few months. And I was like, okay, I know these points. I know what's, I know what's up. I know what's going on. But this was written, whereas like, obviously at UCSD, it's um, the readings assigned. Sometimes you're like getting through them and you're like, you didn't have to write a word that big and that complicated right there. (laughs) This was trying to get through that. I know. know, But like this was written in a very like digestible. Oh yeah way where you're like mm-hmm. you're going along with the story and you're like getting all the points and yes and where whereas like the stuff I was like tr- like in the fucking trenches with trying to get through was <laughs> making my brain hurt like it was all the same points and like very very important and interesting and I loved it and that class was fantastic but yeah right right yeah so those are my first impressions was oh I've been reading all about this for the last three months right I think (laughs) we recently had this conversation after I ended the pod. We were talking about something. I don't know what episode it was, but talking about (laughs) we we took a class in high school where we had a teacher who used to say, like, you're when you learn things, you're putting it in your backpack. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I was like that when you started talking, I was like, you got a bunch of stuff in your backpack. I got so much in my backpack. (laughs) My backpack is overflowing right now. We got so much, so much, so much stuff in there. It's it's Mm -hmm. a good thing. Um, this was one of those things where I too was feeling like, ooh, I'm able to pull other things from my backpack and put a new thing in my backpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that analogy. I think it's it perfect. Is. It's like every backpack. time you, yeah, your little academic backpack, you learn things, you keep things in there, you carry them around with you. It is snowing. Oh. I just, what? Okay. It's not even that cold today. It was raining earlier. I just turned my head and it's snowing. What? Okay, it's okay. fucking it's fucking March twenty fourth. Okay. Why is it snowing? I don't know. Okay, I missed the sun. Alrighty, alrighty. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I I I too felt like I was like, ooh, I'm putting something else in my backpack. Uh, but I thought it was particularly um. No, I wouldn't say eye-opening, but yeah. I, I think it was good to n- not... Hold on. I'm being specific about point here, not the whole book. I thought the book was very good. Uh, um, okay. I thought that uh, she said something in particular towards the end that I was okay. like, I think we need to talk about this more. And it was somewhere. Oh, in general, if you've come to these spaces looking to take things away for your benefit instead of looking to contribute, then you're already doing it wrong. And I think a lot of the times when cuz mm-hmm. we're not, we both we're both having this conversation as two non-black women, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think a lot of times when non-black people want to learn about um for instance, hood feminism or or black history or things like this, they have a tendency to say <clears throat> well i want to learn more about this yep. so i can be more well informed yep it's for not it's how they're going to be perceived by others i want to be correct more informed i want to be the best ally i can be but in a way where it's like not contributing you are taking it's yeah you are taking want to take this knowledge you want other people to provide this knowledge for you so mm-hmm. that you can be perceived as the best white person possible because right. you have your it's like a reflection of white and all these other things whereas yeah. it's like yeah oh yeah that was such a good yeah so when i read point. that part i was like yeah i think also that could have definitely been thrown into the beginning because mm-hmm. i i do feel like you know, even i have the tendency to say like oh i do want to learn more about that like thing and I think that that uh, even though like obviously education and knowledge is very important the yeah. way in which you're thinking about gaining this knowledge is um has a direct effect on how you f- how you're looking at that knowledge to be obtained mm-hmm. versus like to be helpful mm-hmm. if that made sense but sense okay cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so I was I was really thinking about that one while I was reading this, and then two, it made me think of this TikTok that I read that I read okay. that I saw this article <laughs> that I read uh, via this TikTok. article that I read. <laughs> uh, it made me think of this TikTok that I saw recently, where it was um, 
I believe it was a Latina creator who was talking about when white people start to talk about white people in like a in like a way where they're like that's not me <laughs> kind of thing yeah and so there's I'm not this one tendency, of those white it's, people yeah, yeah there's this tendency to do that because when you think you're an ally kind of vibes that you're like oh that makes me not like them which in a lot of ways I agree it does make like there's a distinct difference between those white people and these white people sometimes mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. um but on the other hand there's always this tent this uh need to remind people I feel to say like well you got to put we in front of there like it is yeah. we in that case. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this was making me think about that a lot, yeah. especially just reading because reading this as a non-black person, I think like you have to think like that all the time. You're like, oh, you may know these things, but I'm not black. And I know my perspective is coming from half white also. So I need to take that into consideration as well. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of um, specifically in like queer spaces mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the importance. I think that's what the TikTok was about. No, that- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saying that. Probably. <laughs> I think you probably send it to me. But um we it's it's so true. Like a lot of times there was a person in my class. Cause like I had been kind of marinating on this for a, a while already. Mm-hmm. And it's like the queer spaces and stuff when white people they kind of white queers really lean into their identity as being gay, lesbian, trans, or whatever, as, um, like, that is their connection to oppression. hmm Yes. And yes. so a girl in my class that I was talking about, she explained it so eloquently. She was like, it is, like, they latch on to this form of oppression in order to sidestep their responsibility in white supremacy oh yeah Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god that's it like in the fewest amount of words that was like the best way to explain it yeah and it's so true it's like latching on to this like well I'm not like other white people like like I'm I'm also oppressed so like Mm -hmm. I can't be the oppressor whereas like it's when you it's so interesting, the dynamics of power in different situations. Yeah. It's, like, for white people, especially if you're cis or, like, cis passing, mm-hmm. first and foremost, in all spaces, you are white. It does not matter yeah. what other identity you have and, like, that your the way that you are perceived as white gives you advantages over everybody else. Yep. And it's so like that's just so important to remember and like straight passing people cis passing people like your identity as a queer in a lot of a lot of times like yes you can there are other spaces where that does not necessarily apply and like your you will be you can be oppressed or hate crimed or the other things um mm-hmm. but like I don't know, just this, like, refusal to be in a... I mean, obviously, you don't want to... Acknowledge, don't maybe. Want, yeah. yeah, acknowledge your role in oppression mm-hmm. is so, so tired. You like, know, also, what you're making me think of right now is, like, you know when you see TikToks or whatever, people online being, like... Mm-hmm queer people online being like call me a slur i want somebody to call me a slur just so they can see mm. what i'm like you think about what you're saying yeah <laughs> think about it think, think about it a little bit back and let's <laughs> think about what you're trying to say you want someone to oppress you so bad mm-hmm. and for what reason right yeah. so it that that really made me think about that um i uh yeah i i you're absolutely right i there's a huge willingness to or maybe not willingness words are escaping me right now there is a huge divide i feel between people thinking oh i am just as oppressed as that group but in a different way mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah um and so i think like this I, the some of the things that were highlighted specifically in the text right are like about how um how white women think that the way black women are doing some kinds of feminism is wrong. Right. right? Like there was a, I don't recall 
the specifics, but there was a section where um, they were talking, she was saying there was a white girl in her class in college Mm -hmm. or something who was speaking out like, well, why were, um, why weren't any black Black women supporting this this guy, this black man? Um, And it was just like, she was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which like there were. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a lot of times media will take the photos of the white people supporting versus, you know, and putting things out. That's like the, um, for example, I don't know if you remember this. Okay, I'm, my brain just jumped to this because I just remembered it. But okay. I think it was probably like 2018. This was like the still the peak of like people using Finstas, you okay. know? Yeah. Uh, what was the other word for Finsta? Mm. Anyway. Um, was there another your word? Your priv. Your priv. Your priv. Your priv. <laughs> I was like, I know there's another word besides Finsta. I don't um, think anybody <laughs> online uses that. Like anymore it's yeah only ever finsta in reference to the finsta exactly yeah so it was like peak finsta era right and mm-hmm. people were posting like stupid things on their finstas at this point like just the things you wouldn't say to, like you'd have to waterboard that out of me kind of vibes right um and one of the things that was going around was people being like albert einstein was alive in the 1900s mm-hmm. and also um Martin Luther King was alive in the 1900s. And I was like, these are things that like history and specifically U.S. history is doing on purpose. Like they are Mm -hmm. making you think that these things happened a really long time ago Mm -hmm. on purpose by only putting in black and white photos of Martin Luther King in your textbooks versus colored photos. Right. Mm -hmm. Things of the sort. Mm -hmm. Like these are things that are happening on purpose to make history look one particular way exactly so in the case of um what mickey kendall was saying in her college class she was like yeah well the photos you've seen from the the people protesting in support of of whatever this case was with um that black man was that there were only these photos being put out of the white women supporting Mm -hmm. because yeah the the news and coverage and all that media were not like oh we got to get we got to make sure everybody looks good here. We got to only make sure the white people look good. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 And that continues. <sighs> yeah. That's why things like, like the way we have the internet now, like with TikTok, which I know is under oh consideration my God, at the moment. Yeah. I've been ignoring it because I just can't I've know. I've been watching it. <laughs> it's I, bad. <laughs> it's really bad. I know, I've watched enough. I've seen what I needed to see and I'm done. Um. <laughs> But it, it's it's like these things that we have right now with TikTok and Instagram and, and Twitter where um, ideas are now able to spread faster than they've ever been able to spread and wider than they've ever been able to spread mm-hmm. in previous history. So yeah. we when we have things that are happening, we are seeing them. We are mm-hmm. not seeing them through the lens of the news who's curated it specifically to show us, right? right. Or directly ignoring things on purpose, right? So – Bro, I will never forget watching lives on TikTok while Russia was invading Ukraine last year. Yeah. Like that. Oh, my God. Well, and that's why even in the summer of 2020 when we saw uh, all the Black Lives Matter protests. Black Lives Matter. uh, Yeah. And things of the sort because we were able to see firsthand the the brutality of police. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in yeah. a way that was um, not palatable, you know what I mean? In, in a yeah. way that made people viscerally angry because yeah. we've always gotten a watered-down version. I'm saying we as in non-black people because I know right. they're not getting the, the watered-down Water, version. No. But yeah. all other non-black people have been getting a watered-down version of what does police brutality against the black community mean. Um, and so what it really... In that summer, we were seeing for the first time, like, not for the first time, but we were seeing on a very large scale, now that we had TikTok and things were able to spread like that too, mm-hmm. This the, the true brutality and cruelness that is happening on a day-to-day basis. So I think it also really played into, you know, the there was a divide in the generations, I think, especially mm-hmm. within white people. The older people who were getting their news about the protests from news sources. Yeah. And they were like, it's riots. They're violent. It's riots. Whereas the the younger people mm -hmm. who, the younger people who are getting 
footage and opinions from people who were actually at the protest who were like, it was not violent until the police showed up. Yep. And, like, showing proof of that. And so, like, the divide of, like, the type of media that we are using is shaping our perspectives on so much. Yeah. And, yeah, it just made me think of it. Because I remember having conversations with, like, adults at that time. And they're like, yeah. oh, they're riots. And I'm like, no, they're fucking not. Like, yeah. Sometimes they're getting a little violent. Yes. And but... when does that start? Exactly. Right? When, does the, when, do we, when are we consistently seeing the violence starting? Also, is the second the police show up. Maybe this time it warrants a little violence if it were to go yeah. that way. So, uh, like, the, the, that's I don't... the thing, too, about how we, uh, <laughs> one of the things that Mickey Ken- Mickey Kendall mm-hmm. was saying in the book was um, white women looking at other women and saying that they are doing feminism wrong. Wrong. Right. right. Um, and so, like, the the willingness to be angry mm-hmm. and vocal. When white women do it, it's, you know, it's cute and palatable. But when black women or Latinas or whatever, other women it's do it, then it's angry, suddenly, it's like... It's violent. It's aggressive. Yeah, she's, she's just the angry black woman. She's yeah. just the, you know, feisty Latina, things like this. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. Before we move on to discuss the rest of hood feminism, let's listen to a quick word about the brand sponsoring today's episode. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. All right, let's continue the conversation. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Again, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. I haven't had any caffeine yet, um, which I'm sure neither have you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know. I literally. I think what's happening is I'm giving like a burst of intelligent things to say, uh-huh. and then the fuse. <laughs> gets to the end, and then I need like a few seconds to recover. <laughs> um, I will. One thing that this is something I think I was still. Like, I read it, and I was like, oh, shit, I do that. I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, was feminism that ignores survival. It's about increasing yeah. privilege. And mm-hmm. because a lot of times I think I was sectioning off movements in my head and stuff. And so it's like the the idea of – or, like, housing, income – well, in, income inequality, I usually jump in with feminism. But, like, housing, gun violence – um, yeah, hunger, uh, hunger, those things I typically do not, I mean, like put under the umbrella of feminism. Mm-hmm. And then reading this, I was like, oh no, everything is, should be under this umbrella of a very more, like much more inclusive. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is yeah. the way that these affect different populations disproportionately like needs mm-hmm. to be well i knew that like but yeah i, I think just like putting it under it's the thinking about of, like, it yeah feminist. thinking yes. about it within the context of, of yeah. feminism yeah. Right, yeah right right i i got what you were trying to say don't worry yeah okay um <laughs> i think it was very interesting to look at the way that this book was sectioned off Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, it was like a collection in that, of in the, yeah, in that way that you're saying is like we have the the whole book right from mm-hmm. back to front is <clears throat> is feminism. But so what goes inside is like the different the different perspectives we should be thinking of in the context mm-hmm. of so like gun violence, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Once she started talking about it, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that does make that sense. does I know. make perfect sense to me. So many but again, I've like, never even put it. that in the context of mm-hmm. thought about that with it, like looking at it through the feminist lens. Lens, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was. I thought her section on eating disorders was quite interesting as well, mm-hmm. um, because I think eating disorders have been so. I'm going to use the word romanticized for a second, but romanticized in the media for white people for so mm-hmm. long yeah like i my what i'm trying to say is the thing i'm thinking about is like 
core 2012 to 2013 2014 tumblr days okay where like the thigh gap you never saw a person of color with the thigh gap doing the thigh gap thing online right Mm -mm. or um fit spo like Mm -hmm. fitness inspo those were all white women and this was like a an online phenomenon created and curated for and by white women right Mm -hmm. like i think that we see even online, when, when I'm watching TikToks, I think I see the majority of people talking about eating disorders are coming from white people and white women in general. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that there is a tendency to be like, this is affecting people, but it's mostly just affecting white women, which that's mm-hmm. not true. <laughs> like this yeah. is, if it's something that can happen to a human being, it can happen to any human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was very interesting to look at the feminism of eating disorder Mm -hmm. lost the train of thought there in within the context of the black community yeah i also was so excited that she mentioned um missing and murdered as a section because (laughs) i did I, i did work in true crime for a very long time and it was an overwhelming number of cases to select to write from on white women gone missing um because like even like mickey kendall said like we have such a foot i need to stop saying the word like or i'm gonna want to die when i'm listening back (laughs) to this later um (laughs) even mickey kendall was mentioning Mm -hmm. that there is such an oversaturization of when a white woman goes missing it like the a white woman from a suburban area the soccer mom kind of woman right Mm -hmm. um there's such a tendency to overanalyze and put so much effort into looking for this woman just because she's white. Whereas in black communities, communities in indigenous communities specifically mm, also, mm-hmm. yes. women go missing every few minutes. Yeah. And there's more of a tendency for police and people and media to say, oh, she ran away. Right. Versus looking at it as the issue that it really is. So... That's something I'm very passionate about. I was glad she mentioned it because I was like, yeah, "Yeah, we don't, the feminist lens doesn't look at this, I feel, in a a Mm -hmm. lot of spaces, especially online. Do you remember, fuck, it was that Florida people and that young, they had like, it was abusive relationship and like the boyfriend, the husband or fiance, I forget her name, but um, she went, Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. Yeah. And I remember that conversation really coming up then in the aftermath where it was like, the entire country is involved mm-hmm. with this now. Yeah. Why does this not happen with this, with other women, with other right. people, with people of color? With the hundreds of thousands of indigenous girls who yep. go missing all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Things like this. Like, it just is so heartbreaking and frustrating that I was like, yes, we need to, we need to start including things like these, like talking about that within the context of feminism, because yeah. it's a huge issue. Like, like, the idea i'm gonna need to stop saying like oh my god um the this idea that white feminism takes hold of all other feminisms is just Mm -hmm. inherently wrong and we we are on the path i feel to to make changes in that but again changes take a long time and this is one of those books like i know every once in a while we read a book and i'm like everybody needs to read this book but yeah everybody yeah. needs to read this book everybody because it makes even whatever you thought you knew about feminism again coming from non-black women talking about feminism um everything i thought i knew about feminism this changed or gave me something else to think about right which i thought which i think is so important because there is a tendency, especially for, you know, the woke folks of the internet to be like, I know folks. everything I need to know about this yeah. topic. I've reached, I know a bunch have reached that. So mm-hmm. I don't think I need to look for more information on this topic. And, you know, that's limiting the education level and the knowledge that you're bringing in. And knowledge changes about these things all the time anyway. So this was one of those situations where I was like, yes, any person who especially labels themselves outwardly as a feminist uh, needs to read this book. Yeah. Um. Oh shit! What was I gonna say? You know. Oh. Um. I think one thing that I have a huge issue with. Not issue. I like. And it's an internalized issue where I'm like trying to get over it myself. Is my like aversion towards to the guns? Military? 
Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, military, yes. But I don't know if that's really going to go away. But um, guns. And so, like, in very radical left spaces, it goes more towards, no, we need guns. We're preparing for the revolution. We need to be able to protect ourselves, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, like, you go a little more center left and it's like, no, get rid of all guns. Weapons are the issue. Like, we don't need more guns out, you know? Mm-hmm. And then reading about this, it was really, and like there are a lot of um, like super far left feminists where it's like the most like feminist thing you can do is learn to shoot and carry a gun. Mm-hmm. And I like I have just always like I hear that and a wall goes up, and I'm yeah. just like, mm, I don't like that. And that is something like I'm working on, mm-hmm. but I mean I think. It is natural to have an aversion towards the idea of having more guns mm-hmm. out there with, like, everything we have witnessed um, right. all these years. But from her perspective and stuff in different communities where there is more gun violence, mm-hmm. where she talked about getting a fucking haircut from a gun, like a bullet coming through and trimming her bangs. Yeah. Um, she said something that I, like, wrote down because I was like, holy fucking shit. With bullets that didn't hit me still changed me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I mean, I think to a certain extent that's especially like for the younger generations who've watched all of these school shootings happening and then yeah. had to pack up their backpacks and go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, those bullets like across the country, that still changes you. It still affects everything. And yeah, so, like, I don't know. I think this the chapter on guns and gun violence really made me think and ponder about, like, my own perspective on those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, just personally, I just think guns are scary. Like, that's yeah, not for me. it's just fucking um, scary. <laughs> they're scary. I've shot guns before, different kinds, but I they're, they're scary. Like, while holding them, I was not in a situation where I really wanted to do that, by the way. But yeah. um, they are scary. Like, the people I were with thought I was going to enjoy it once I was doing it. And I was like, this just made me more scared of them. Yeah. Right. Like there's, so for me personally, I just don't like them, but um, I do understand the context with which sometimes they are. I don't know. Maybe I don't. (laughs) I don't know. I'm still learning. I I feel like I'm still learning. This is a hard one. Perspectives of, um, choosing to keep guns in the homes and, and right. things of the sort. Um, but I had a point that I was leading into. What was the point? Dun, dun, dun. Don't know. Uh, but I do recall her talking about um, her experience with her first husband and right. how he and was extremely he had had abusive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she said um, her first husband had, She'd experienced intimate partner violence, but at least he didn't have a gun mm-hmm. or else she might not even be here today. And that is one of those things where you're like, yeah, you can. Um... And it was because he didn't have one at the time. And by the time that she left, he had been um, he had already been notified or like the police had already been notified about domestic violence within the yeah. home. And so because like. If he had gone to try and get a gun because they were in the state of Illinois, he wouldn't have been able to because of his history with domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of emphasized, too, the need for, like, if there is going to be gun, like, acquisition type shit, uh-huh. to have those laws in place. Right. And to have those parameters for keeping people who are going to do very, very, very bad things with them from getting them. Right. Um. Yeah. Another line, this was near the beginning too, but I wrote it down. It was just the idea of trickle down equality. Oh Mm -hmm. God. I can't believe I stumbled over that. Triple trickle down (laughs) equality. White feminists, white feminists are essentially the Reagan Mm -hmm. of fucking equality movements. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is inaccurate. Mm hmm. Oh yeah. Comparison. Definitely. I also found it. I I liked that while this was a really educational read on the surface, it was also tying in parts of her life, like her unique 
experience that also felt maybe perhaps not so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the way that she transitioned into talking about hunger as well mm-hmm. and um, specifically talking about food deserts, I yep. thought was, I thought was really, really important because I think that that's something that not, especially like not a lot of white people think about because they tend to move out of those areas or avoid those areas that mm-hmm. are more densely populated with people of color. Um Yeah. And so, therefore, they don't even really understand the concept of a food desert a lot yeah. of the times. Um, so, I think this was just really – that was really, really important to talk Discuss, about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think she said statistically at least half of oh – wait, no, sorry, hold on. Some 42 million Americans are struggling with hun- hunger. Statistically, at least half of that number are women. But given gender bias and wages, the real percentage is something like 66% of American households struggling with hunger are headed by single mothers. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is a deeper issue than even, you know, than even just the food deserts. Like, it, it yeah. runs deeper. It runs into um, women, mm-hmm. black women. That's women another thing. That's, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, all of these things that I hadn't considered kind of putting under the umbrella of feminism mm-hmm. is just, yeah. And then the, the claim, like, soda is so bad for children. Play out with images of kids going to soda machine. And receiving diabetes instead of a ginger ale. If sugar was a toxic chemical guaranteed to bring about illness in all who consumed it, then these images might make sense. But the hyperbolic assertions that obesity can be cured by taxing soda ignore studies published by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that prove that numbers on a scale have very little to do with health outcomes, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Like talking about ob- ob- obesity and the such. Like and how attitudes can, towards how, how a lot of. Uh, specifically white women, I would say, look towards how uh, women of color raise their kids and kind of go, Mm -hmm. well, that's so unhealthy and things of this sort. But again, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, when you live in a food desert where the nearest grocery store is too far away for you to get to or too expensive to shop at, Mm -hmm. then yeah, these these alternatives are cheaper. Or how she discussed, like she would eat, um, I don't remember what specifically she said she would eat, but like some, some kind of like cheaper snack food or whatever mm-hmm, in place mm-hmm. so that her her kid could eat food food right yeah it's like this is a this is the kind of thing that a lot of white women don't even ever have to consider in their lives no and obviously this is not discounting the fact that yeah there are white women living below the poverty line but mm-hmm. it is it is more to a point that black women experience this latina women experience this many women of color experience this like for the most part of their lives, if not their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you want to hit me with some of the like ouch lines? Yeah. Let's see. They might be actually ouch. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, actually the, the first one I just flipped to was the bullets that didn't hit me. So changed me. Oh, yep. So, ouch. Um, ouch. Let's see. Um, yeah. Okay. So, she, when she was talking about being poor and it not being easy for her, she said, What I remember is hunger and crying when I couldn't afford a Christmas tree. I remember being afraid that I couldn't make it, that I would lose my child because I couldn't provide. It's hard to take a rich woman's children. It is remarkably easy to take a poor woman's, though. As mm-hmm. a society, we tend to treat hunger as a moral failing as a sign that someone is lacking in a fundamental way remember to combat hunger around the holidays but we judge the mothers who have to rely on food banks free or reduced lunches at school or food stamps for not being able to stand against a problem that baffles governments around the world and uh, then she goes on to say indeed we treat poverty like a crime yeah um which yeah we do yeah Let's see. I also have, I believe this is when you're in the section of pretty for a. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, I was supposed to have been flattered by the attentions of men in whom I had no interest because why else did I 
wear dresses that fit? And why wasn't I flattered when they told me they weren't usually interested in black women, but I was the exception? Being harassed made me feel dirty and scared, but the narrative assigned to me from the outside was that I was supposed to not only feel flattered, but also have no expectation of respect or safety at work or anywhere else. It's amazing what those, quote, compliments will teach you once you're past the point of finding validation in them. Turns out backhanded compliments are offensive and ugly. Who knew? Damn. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Um, are you getting the ouch vibes? Yes. Ouch marks. Yeah. Let's see what's this one. Um, because there is no consistent process or training for becoming a school police officer and officers are not always trained on interacting with children and young adults, they may interpret perfectly normal age appropriate behavior as over the top or even criminal behavior. Mm. Which is true, and we see that all the time, and that's why cops on campuses is not the solution. Nope. Um, this is in reproductive justice. This is an issue that spans communities with Black, Latina, and Indigenous women facing similar complications as a result of bigotry. Alongside Mississippi appendectomies, which was another name for unnecessary hysterectomies performed at teaching hospitals in the South on Black women, there was a forced sterilization of Indigenous Americans, which persisted into the 1970s and 80s, with young women receiving tubal ligations when they were ostensibly getting appendectomies. Ultimately, an estimated 25 to 50 percent of indigenous women were sterilized between 1970 and 1976. Oh my God. Forced sterilization programs are also part of history in Puerto Rico, where sterilization rates are said to be amongst the highest in the world. Most recently, California prisons were alleged to have authorized coerced sterilization of a, nearly 150 inmates between 2006 and 2010. That's fucking crazy. That's like, insane. I knew, I knew about, like, um, the that happening within the context of black communities but mm-hmm. the the rest of the statistics really were like whoa oh yeah Ooh. those were those are all my ouch ones i think yeah yeah those pretty are some ouch. good ouch ones yeah, yeah. pretty pretty ouch if, if i do say so yeah i'm sure there were others before i decided to pick an ouch color <laughs> an ouch color but then i was like oh we're, i'm going ouch i guess i need to i need to pick something um mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Did, did you have any other like uh, lines or anything? Big lines? Uh, no, I think I mentioned the the big okay. ones that hit me. Hard. Uh, I overall felt like um, this was a really accessible form yes. of learning. Yes. Like I, I, I feel like this was not hard to digest. I feel like the facts that were presented to you and statistics were not overwhelming in a way that makes you go, okay, I'm just reading stats and statistics, right? Or, and my well, brain is not retaining anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was more of, um, they were placed in the perfect spot to make that point stand out if it yes. was necessary, which uh-huh. I think, uh, a lot of, um, essays and things of the sort these days are not doing. They're kind of just throwing statistics in, which yeah. just oversaturates the statistics and makes Making you stop paying attention. Yep. Um, so I, I think that this was such a book that you could very easily consume. And it wasn't, um, obviously the topics discussed were hard to read. And that's why I think trigger warnings are important. But I, I think that this is something that quite literally anybody who calls themselves a, fem- a feminist should read. Yes. I would, it makes Especially you think of all the, like, the, little white social, the white social justice warriors from college, you know, makes you think mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that, I also think like this should be incorporated into um, like reading for school. Mm, you know, I think perhaps, happen. I know, I think perhaps it's, would all it would probably never happen in like high school public mm-hmm. high schools to say the least but i do think um in, at the college level this would mm-hmm. be something that like i i was while i was like reading, a good was like intro of, to feminism or something yeah like, i yeah. also just think it, it i was thinking about classes that i've taken while reading different parts of this book and i think it would have fit in yeah there, fit yeah. in there nicely like I've, I've taken classes on homelessness and um those kinds of issues and i, I think like that would have fit in there were sections of this book that would have fit in nicely there. And I, I think that this could definitely be taken to that level. I think you yeah. could teach a course on called this. Hood Feminism. Yeah. Yes. If Mickey Kendall ever wanted to do that, I definitely think she could. Yeah. I agree. I think definitely. That being said, this was an easy five for me. I was yeah. very much enjoying 
What? Sorry. I just got a text. Um, <laughs> my brain is just not working today. Uh, I was very much enjoying gaining knowledge that I feel like is useful knowledge to be used elsewhere. To, to yeah. like, like she said, like to not, not just take, but to give back. Um, so I, I thought it was very, very, very important to read. And I'm so glad that we did. Mm-hmm. I agree. Was this your rec? I think, yeah, I was, I think I it was to read this. Yeah. Yes. So I'm glad we did because Me I too. feel good about it. Me too. We love learning. We love it. Especially, okay. I think, because we both came from such a community of, like, this right. kind of stuff would never be talked about. Oh, yeah. no. Definitely. Absolutely not. And if you tried, you were weird, probably, yeah. for, for discussing. Even to call yourself a feminist in our community that we came from was, like, people looked at you judgy. Yeah. Yeah, and then even I the women. About fem- <laughs> I know. And then I started learning about feminism, and then I was like, oh, this has racist beginnings. Okay, maybe I shouldn't. So it was like I had to, like, overtly be like, I am a feminist against all the people who, like, fucking just hated women. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then you start learning about it, and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I should learn more about feminism before I very strongly claim that I am one and then right. you're like okay there's like a way that. to be a feminist that includes yeah. other people yeah that's why I really like that Mickey Kendall was like I'm the occasional feminist right I, exactly. I really liked that because at first it makes you go what when you come <laughs> what from are you talking about <laughs> a, a very distinct like the sugar-coated version of feminism you're kind of like what do you mean occasional yeah you should be an all-time feminist and it, it makes you think about it so I really really definitely enjoyed that I I feel like I'm not usually one to say I would reread this but I definitely would reread this and I think I would definitely come back to essays from it and yeah yeah I thought it was I, I'm just so glad that we read it like this was one of those things where I was like yeah this I feel like this impacted me in a different way than mm-hmm. some of our other reads non-fake yes. reads that we've read mm-hmm. recently um yeah. Anything else? Okay. I think that's all. Cool. Uh, okay. I think that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. Before we part, we'd just like to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to leave a review on whichever platform you are listening on, if applicable. If you have any further questions regarding topics discussed throughout the episode, feel free to join our Hardcover Hose Discord server via the link in the show notes or send us an email at hardcoverhosepod at gmail.com. Feel free to recommend books to cover in future episodes as well. As always, I am Sam Cabrera-Dixon. I'm Sammy Scorstead. And this has been an episode of Hardcover Hose. If you enjoyed this listening experience and you'd like to follow along with us next time, the next books on our to-be-read list are We Hunt the Flame and We Free the Stars by Hafsa Faisal. Until we meet again, enjoy your reading.